Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. My guest today is Terence Wong, CEO of Azure Capital. We're discussing Bitcoin. It's surpassed the 23,000 mark. Hey, did you hear? Even Elon Musk is, uh, has inquired about Bitcoin. He made news this morning. I saw, I was reading about how he engaged in a Twitter conversation with a prominent advocate of Bitcoin. So Musk asked about the possibility of converting large transactions of Tesla's balance sheet into the cryptocurrency. And CEO of MicroStrategy, Michael Saylor, has said that such a move would be, quote, a 100 billion US dollar favor to Tesla shareholders. And Saylor argues other S&P 500 companies could follow Tesla's lead. So why all this interest in Bitcoin? Let's take a look. It surpassed the 23,000 mark. I'll ask, is this rise sustainable? Do we expect it to continue? Also, uh, Tesla, back to Tesla, it's joining the S&P 500 this evening when markets open in the US. So are we expecting a trading surge? And as the vaccine rolls out, are there clear winners and losers when it comes to sectors beyond the obvious aviation? And here in Singapore, on the Singapore Exchange, the third non-REIT listed on the main board, GHY Culture and Media, did so last week at 6.1%. It's above its IPO price. Is this a sign of diversification of the index? We put all those questions to CEO of Azure Capital. Welcome, Terence. How are you? Hey, Michelle. Well, this is quite a heavy session today, ah. considering it's my last 40 years. <laughs> well, we thought we'd squeeze out as much from your brains as we could, Terence. <laughs> Uh, I'm just thinking of Christmas holidays. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, let's so, go ahead. Clearly, Terence is in holiday mood, um, but we'll try to see what we can get from him. All right. So first up, Bitcoin. Let's see what it's currently trading at, Terence. 23,716 US dollars. The momentum building analysts predicting more gains ahead. We know that it's jumped, uh, what, more than three times this year in big ways. So what do you think of Bitcoin's rise? Is it sustainable? There are economists who believe it's a bubble, investors that don't understand the supply dynamics of the cryptocurrency staying away as well. What do you think? Well, um, well Michelle, I think you're partially right. Uh, since uh, the middle of March, I think uh, if investors were daring enough, they would have gotten away with like 500% uh, returns on their investments. And uh, even if you don't invest back then, um, in October, if you were to like put your money in Bitcoin, uh, that value would have doubled. So a doubling within uh, two months, I think that's not too shabby a return. Well, almost exactly three years ago, I remember that was uh, during my Christmas holidays in 2017. Uh, that was the last time when uh, it hit an uh, all-time high. That was the last peak uh, when it was about, it was flirting with $20,000. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought back then there was wild speculation and there was insane exuberance that sent uh, the prices running in 2017. Uh, subsequently, it crashed uh, 17% from the peak. But I think that this time around, uh, it is not just purely sentiment-driven. It is not driven by, you know, exuberance. Uh, institutions are actually into Bitcoin. Uh, we're not just talking about, you know, the small hedge funds trying to make uh, 20-30%, uh, but really the large institutional names, names like Fidelity, J.P. Morgan, uh, and uh, one prominent, uh, and, and there are many, many prominent uh, billionaires who are also in there. 
Uh, one of them is uh, hedge fund manager Paul Tudor Jones. He invested in cryptocurrency and highlighted its potential as a hedge against, or, or one of the best, it is the best hedge against inflation. Um, and he even went uh, on to say that, you know, this may be uh, one of the early tech discoveries, like uh, if you were to go in very, very early on Apple, uh, into the likes of Google, and uh, and and he thinks that, you know, there's going to be a big jump in price uh, since October. He went in earlier on this year, but I think since October, he's become increasingly more bullish on this. Uh, PayPal has also added the ability for clients to buy Bitcoin, uh, which has opened up the market to millions of new buyers. So while I think uh, one of the uh, characteristics of uh, Bitcoin is that it is very volatile. It will continue to be volatile. So investors obviously have to be cautious. Uh, it is going to be a lot more volatile than traditional asset classes like equity and bonds. But I think that this time around, it is different. It will be backstopped by interest in big funds. Uh, unlike in 2017, when it was driven largely by retail investors and when uh, when you know things don't look good, uh, everybody scooted. And that is why there was a big slump in, in, the, in the prices of Bitcoin. Really interesting um, perspective you've given us, the long view of history as well. Um, you know, Tesla talking about converting large transactions to Bitcoin. Do you think this is, again, wild speculation or do you think other companies could follow suit? Well, I think I wouldn't write it off because, uh, uh, like I said, uh, this time around, uh, there has been a lot more uh, formal institutional money in there. And it is going to be one of those... Uh, uh, times where when when there's validation for this product, uh, there will be more money being poured in. So uh, that's not something that will surprise me. Okay, so you think that it is indeed a solution to the store of value issue? Uh, definitely, I, I I do believe that uh, it is going to be uh, in the long in the mid to long term. This is going to be a good hedge against inflation. If you looked at broadly at the whole cryptocurrency sphere, though Ethereum, for example, do you does the same argument apply to other bri- cryptocurrencies? Well, I, I think investors do have to be uh, a lot more cautious. Ethereum is a, a very distant number two, and it mm. will like, but, but there are a lot of coins, there are tons of coins. Mm. And, you know, over the last few years, I hear people like coming out with coins here, coins there. Uh, so it is not going to be a rising tide that lifts all boats. So uh, if you want, and you want to play it safe, already I, I think that um, this uh, cryptocurrency is not exactly for the faint-hearted. So if you really want to play it safe in a very dangerous world asset class, uh, then you probably want to go with the number one or number two. All right, sound yeah. points there. Terence Wong is CEO of Azure Capital, joining us live. So back to Tesla, it is going to officially join the S&P 500 at the start of trade in the U.S. today. We saw some frenzied afternoon action Friday in markets. The electric car maker, by far the largest firm by market value ever to join the S&P 500. Um, some analysts think this is going to prompt dozens of index funds that tracks the S&P 500 to seek to purchase tens of billions of dollars of Tesla stock. What do you think? Are you expecting a surge um, in in terms of buy-ins? Well, Michelle, I'm probably not the best person to speak on this matter. Every time I think it has peaked, you know, it goes goes on to hit uh, higher highs. Uh, and last Friday, you know, it, were, it was a record for the, the company. Um, to its credit, I think Tesla has uh, fully embraced uh, retail investors like no other public 
uh, listed companies. Uh, it's quarterly earnings calls, you know, regularly feature crowdsourced questions. Uh, I, I still remember in, in January, was it early early part of this year, an earnings call CEO Elon Musk said that, you know, he thinks retail investors have uh, deeper and more accurate uh, insights than many other institutional investors and, and analysts. So with Tesla joining uh, the S&P now, uh, with, uh, uh, there, there would be more, I believe, uh, mutual funds and large institutional holdings if they are not already in there. I, I think they do have to uh, basically uh, up their allocation into this particular stock. But uh, I think that a large part of this, as you can see from the big uh, jump in the share price just this month alone, uh, I think this month is up already 33%, which is you know crazy mind-boggling for such a big cap. Uh, year-to-date, it has searched eight times. So uh, I, I believe that a lot of it is already in the price. If you're talking about the entry into the S&P 500, um, investors, okay, I'm going to give it another step, right? I'm going to double down. And All I think right. they should tread with caution. Okay, got it. We hear it loud and clear. In the meantime, it also made big headlines last week. We know that the SGX, the Singapore Exchange, rather, has been a favorite of yield-seeking investors. You can see that with the popularity of REITs. GHY Culture and Media, though, is only the third non-REIT to list on our main board this year. Last year, there were none. So it began trading at uh, 70 cents. That's 6.1% higher than its IPO price of 66 cents per share. And then it eased. Let's see what it is currently trading at. If I can pull that up. GHY Culture. It is now loading. Last I checked, it was about 66 cents. Yes, 66 and a half cents. So what do you think? This listing, do you think it is a sign that Singapore investors are branching out? Well, I, I think that this is just great news. You know, I, I'm SGX's number one fan. Uh, over the last few years, it has become uh, increasingly boring because, like I said, uh, there were no, uh, there were hardly any non-REIT uh, listing. Uh, this this year, or at least this quarter alone, we have seen like three of them. And uh, overall positive on the uh, on this uh, mark on on this IPO market, I uh, hear that you know the pipeline of deals uh, is looking very very healthy in 2021, and that is because that you know there are these trailblazers coming out uh, to list, and they have done uh, not too badly, uh, particularly Nanofilm, which has uh, which has which has seen a, a big surge, and I think that we need a variety of companies, and this is. Uh, and what is notable also is that the cornerstone investors uh, for GHY, uh, even though it has not done tremendously over the last uh, couple of sessions uh, since its listing, uh, but there are uh, well-known cornerstone investors uh, in this issue. And uh, that means that there is uh, genuine interest in the IPOs. It should be coming back. Uh, this will improve the depth of our capital markets, especially with a slew of you know privatizations, acquisitions, delistings over the past few years. I think since 2015, there has been a very, very strong trend towards uh, privatizations. And speaking of uh, delistings and privatizations, two notable companies uh, over the last a uh, couple of weeks, so I built Reed and High P uh, just announced their intention to privatize, um, and I, I think that that's on the back of you know valuations being low and there there is a lack of interest in the market, uh, as you can see from liquidity which is very very thin. Um, so, but with with uh, this IPOs coming through uh, with an improved.
improvement in the sentiment in the market, I think that uh, we will see fewer uh, privatizations uh, going forward. Mm. Well, you're giving us some great insights, Terence. I'm glad you're in this Christmas mood. These are real gems. Um, I, I wonder if you can share some thoughts on initial public offerings for our investor listeners. I remember those things went a bit crazy back in the 1990s, you know, when the first time that the stock of a private company was sold to the public. And we, if you just look at GHY Culture and Media, for example, if you bought at the open at 70 cents, you'd be in the red now. So oh, yes. I wonder if you can share some general thoughts on IPO buying for our retail investors? Well, I, IPO uh, is like this. I, you know, when I, first, uh, came, I, when I first became an analyst, that was in 1999, the following year in 2000, and I can't remember what I said on this program. So uh, pardon me for repeating, but, but in, in year 2000, uh, that was the peak of the IPO. There were like 74, 75 IPOs out there. And I, I, I wrote on, I believe, 50 of them. So uh, there were many, many interesting uh, issues. And like I said, uh, when uh, that happens, uh, because the markets are very, very open to IPOs, um, the, it takes a life of its own. There are some uh, companies that don't even need any form of marketing, and you can see uh, the, the share prices go up 50%, 100%, 150% within a very, very short period of time. Uh, that's when you have to be careful. That's when you need to be careful. Uh, as I said, with IPO investing, it is like investing in any uh, stocks that has been listed for a while. You have to go back to the basics. You know the fundam, the the we you have to like look at the fundamentals of the company, the valuations, whether it makes sense, uh, and not just write on the sentiment. So uh, we are not there yet. Uh, it's still very, very early days. There are only like three IPOs. Um, and I think that investors are just getting ready uh, and warming up to the, the game. Uh, so when you know euphoria starts to set in, I, th- I think that's when investors have to be uh, very, very careful. Uh, IPO investing, just like any form of uh, investing in the, the the current crop of companies. So you have to be uh, looking at uh, the fundamentals. Yeah, thank you for that. All right, so this, speaking of optimism, the vaccine front and the great news there, the positive developments have sparked optimism that the pandemic's end is in sight. And that is leading some to wonder if there are clear market winners and losers so far. I wonder, as you look ahead to 2021 and start to shape your portfolio for what you can expect next year, do you see some sectors that are clear winners and others that are clear losers? Well, with the vaccine, uh, what is immediately positive, and we've really seen uh, the surge, you know, since October, there will be the guys involved in hospitality, in travel, tourism-related ones, consumption players, uh, and and you've really seen, like I said, a very, very sharp uh, jump in uh, many of these uh, companies that fall within the sector. And not to mention the cyclical plays like banks and property firms. Uh, but I like to uh, uh, throw something that's, I think, a little bit more counterintuitive. Mm. Uh, see, with the vaccine, it takes time to implement. And it also requires governments globally to convince their citizens to take it. Uh, there will still be a lot of pain in the battle against uh, coronavirus in the coming months. Uh, as you can see in the U.S. and Europe, they're really struggling with new infections. Uh, U.S. Uh, in, rec- in the past week uh, saw a quarter in quarter million infections a day, with over 3,000 deaths. Uh, no thanks to Thanksgiving, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is why I feel, uh, and Europe, uh, good parts of it, uh, Germany, France, 
uh, UK, uh, Italy, we are seeing a lockdown uh, over the Christmas season. That's why I feel that it may be premature to write off uh, the glove makers, uh, which has slumped in the past two months since the positive news over vaccine came out. Uh, in fact, uh, with you know, with the jabs, with the vaccine jabs, uh, more gloves will be required. Picture this. Um, right now, people are only going to hospitals because they feel or think that they are infected. So they form a smaller part of the population. But with uh, vaccine with vaccines in place, they have to go for their vaccinations, the inoculations. Uh, everybody will have to be in the hospitals, and there will be massive uh, requirements for or demand for gloves. And the supply is extremely tight right now, given that the world's largest glove maker, Top Glove, has to shut its facilities due to COVID outbreak. So with this imbalance becoming a lot worse, a uh, sharp jump in demand and a big crunch or in, in supply. Uh, that would send the, the selling prices for gloves going sky high. And I, I think that uh, this is going to be positive at least for the next, or at least for the next year. A lot of fantastic insights there. Terence Wong is CEO of Azure Capital. Happy holidays and thank you for being with us, Terence. You too, Michelle. Merry Christmas. You too. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.